And uh, yeah, we can go from there. So without further ado, we'll jump into this. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, uh, quickly turn to Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. All right, so I'll lay out what we're going to do today. Um, so there is the, uh, I'm going to read the text, and then this is going to kind of be intertwined as Ashley and I share our testimony of community. Um, so um, yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be some teaching, uh, and then, but we are going to share our story, and Ashley's going to uh, share the majority of that. I'm going to popcorn in, so just kind of setting the scene as to how this is going to go. Um, one thing I do want to encourage us, and as we're like through worship, I feel like the Lord was just speaking to me. I know Ashley's going to touch on this in her portion, but I know that a lot of us here, when a lot of us may think of community and we're like super stoked on it, but I know that for a lot of us, um, albeit in church or if it's in your own personal communities, there's a lot of hurt. Um, there's, there could be a lot of pain when you think about getting in a community with people. I've had multiple conversations with people uh, again, in the church and outside of the church, that the thought of being a vulnerable and um, in community with one another is one of the most horrifying um, thoughts to have. And so I just want to let you know that we, I know Ashley and I and all the group leaders here in our church as a whole, like understand that and want to walk with you through that and pray with you, like legitimately pray, not just like, I'm not just saying like, we want to pray for you. Like there is power in prayer. And um, just want to encourage you in that. So uh, let's read the text for today. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the, fel and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Up until this point in the book of Acts, I'll give a brief recap. Um, um, Jesus, let me actually, boom, there we go. So at this point, uh, Jesus has ascended. He's appointed his apostles, his, his disciples to go and, and make disciples. Uh, and then right here, we're reading in Acts chapter two, uh, it was the day of Pentecost, which happens in the beginning of Acts chapter two, and uh, where the tongues, where the Holy Spirit came and, um, and fell on um, the apostles in the, in, the, in the upper room. And um, a lot of Jews who were there, uh, they saw this and were like, wow, these people are like drunk. These people are acting crazy, which led uh, Peter to um, give a sermon at Pentecost. And in his message, in his sermon to the people, it brought them into the state of repentance uh, where uh, the Jews knew that they had to change their way of living, and they um, essentially asked Peter, what should we do? 
And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then this excerpt, which I just read, follows that. So um, I think it's important, before we go into that text from 42 through 47, that we read the actual mandate that Jesus gives his disciples, as this is our mission. This was their mission, and it's continued uh, in our lives in the mission of the church. And Jesus tells them in, in Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Um, now, I think when we, when we tend to read this text, many of us may read this one of two ways. One of you may be thinking, Man, I can't wait to go out and dominate witnessing to the ends of the earth. Like, I mean, I am going to be the best witnesser, and I'm going to speak to so many people about Jesus. That could be one, one of us. The other, the other one of us could be saying, I'm so glad that there are other people who witness because I'm not Billy Graham. Like, I'm not the guy or the girl who's going to be up there preaching and telling all these people about uh, Jesus. And I think that either way of, either way of thinking uh, actually highlights the radical individualism that Dan, Dan referenced a couple weeks ago. I think that we have a tendency to read this text or read the Bible in general and make it extremely individualized. Um, but I think it's important to note that Jesus uh, said this to a group of people. Uh, he mandated a group of his followers to carry out this weighty yet glorious task of witnessing. So when I read this text, and I read it in its context, it actually reminds me of the very first Lord of the Rings. How many here have seen the Lord of the Rings? Oh my, okay, who here has not seen Lord of the Rings? Oh my goodness. Ashley. Ashley. I but, fell asleep, sorry. <laughs> I can't believe that. So if you guys, are, those of you who've seen Lord of the Rings, there's this scene where, um, there's this council of people, and they, they come to the decision, I'm doing it quickly, that they have to destroy this ring that is bringing, um, bringing death to a lot of people, and it's bringing, you know, it's just this horrific ring. I don't know. I'm going to go into it too much if I explain it. But uh, there's only, as they're kind of talking and discussing about this ring, then you have this hobbit, this three-foot hobbit named Frodo Baggins, who steps up, and he says... I will take the ring to Mordor, though I do not know the way. So it's this little short hobbit who has no skills. If he, if he, if he ventures out into Mordor, which is this horrific place where death is going to happen, if he ventures in there, he's going to die. But he admits and he says, I'll take the ring to Mordor, though I do not know the way. And in one of the most epic scenes in movie history, no bias there, Gandalf the Grey at this time, says, I will help you bear this bur burden, Frodo Baggins. And he stands up, and it's quiet, and he, and he says this epic line. He puts his hand on him. And then you have another character in Lord of the Rings, and he says, oh, this part gets me. If by life or death I can protect you, I will. You have my sword, which is the... The sword was the, the, his weapon of choice that he used. And if anyone else wants to chime in, what did other people say? You have my... Huh? Bow. Bow. And my... Axe. And my axe. And so you have this group of people in this community. Here's, here's the takeaway. In this community who have their strengths and obviously their weaknesses, and they're coming together to achieve this mission. 
And in full, um, in full sacrifice, they're saying, in life or death, and whatever I do, I'm going to help you carry out this mission. And I, and I would like us to frame our mind in that way when we talk about our community groups. Not just a, not just a group or a, a, a Sunday, or excuse me, a Wednesday or a Thursday that we go to check the box and we're like, man, I went to group like four times this week or this month. Like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great. But I think, it's, I think it's a way of reshaping the way that we live our lives in that we're dependent on one another fully. Fully dependent, not sitting here individual, individually walking through lives, our lives, excuse me. So today I want us to frame that in our mind. I'm going to pass it off to Ash and she's going to kind of go through um, our story. Yeah, so we've been learning a lot about community, but we thought it would be good to share our personal story just because it kind of gives you like a tangible example. And truly Matt and I have been transformed like we've been reflecting on it this last few weeks and we're like wow we're like completely different people than we were two years ago so sometimes it's helpful to have like a real example so we're just gonna give you a little bit about who we are and where we come from and through what God's been doing over the last few years and how we arrived here Um, and I know Matt said it earlier but we all have different stories with community like some of us have been super hurt some of us are like really like bought into it but wherever you're at today like depending on you know, parts of our story, I hope that can relate to you and just give you encouragement. Um, So we were married in 2012 and lived in San Diego, um, didn't know anybody. So we like didn't have any friends. It was just the two of us. And um, we decided that we were going to go to church like weekly. So we definitely did that. Um, But in that season, it kind of felt like we were just checking the box, so to speak. Um, We didn't really have a desire for really like going out and seeing like, are there other people that can be a part of this? Like we're newlyweds, we have lots of questions. Um, We didn't really seek that during that time. And even though that was a, you know, enjoyable time, like we have fond memories of being newlyweds, um, we can see now that there's probably a lot of benefit that we could have had just from having people around us. Um, And so then a couple years into being married, God kind of calls us to ministry. And so we start doing youth ministry um, here at a church in San Diego. And I think that was probably the first time that we felt um, connected to a God's community in a, in a true way where we were developing friendships. But I think even in that season, um, at least for me, it was based on what I could bring to the table. So it was definitely based on what we were collectively doing together. Like we were all serving in youth. And um, I think now reflecting like in my own heart, it probably was a lot of um, insecurity or just like, oh, I don't know if this group is really going to want me here unless I'm contributing. And I feel like sometimes that's a hurdle for us um, as believers and in, in community. Like we, we feel like we have to have something to offer. Or we have to be in leadership at some capacity. And um you know, I have such great friendships from that time, but even now I'm like, man, like God has really worked in our hearts to realize that being a part of community is really just being like with each other and in all of your insecurities and vulnerabilities. So, um, that was just, I think God pushing us closer to like, okay, here's my true, um, uh, desire for you in community. Yeah. I think just to speak about that as well, like, that time when we were first like a part of a church community as like an adult and like as a married couple, like it was actually really cool because we were like around people. But I think for me as well, my personal experience in that was very much so like, how can I contribute? Like, what am I going to do? How am I adding to 
this thing that we're building specifically in youth ministry? Like, what can I contribute to build? And it was kind of like this unguided journey to like this fulfillment that I feel like I would, we would never really attain. And, um, but yeah, like Ashley was saying, like it, it definitely was like, we made some incredible friendships and, um, and in our journey into community have found like that there is like place for doing things together, like obviously as a community. And then there's a place for just like being with one another. And yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and then through various reasons, we were there for a few years. And then, um, in 2018, we kind of just decided to, we had, you know, some, some things that we need to, um, work on together and just in our family. And so we chose to leave that, that place, that church and take a break. Like we just needed a break. We were super, um, just really broken. And, um, I don't know, like really burnt out in that season. And so we chose to leave that place and just, we honestly didn't really go to church for a couple months. I think we, just kind of like slept on Sundays or don't something. Tell anybody, Actually, that's guys. a lie. I don't sleep on Sundays. I have kids. <laughs> don't tell anybody we didn't go to church. Yeah, okay? we, we're I'm just, just I mean, you know, sometimes you just don't feel like going. You know, you're just like super drained, and that's how we felt. And so, um, then that's when we found Park Hill. So we decided to kind of just like sit at Park Hill and like sit in the back, so no one could see us, and we didn't want to talk to anybody, and we didn't really want to get to know anyone. We just wanted to like be there. And that was also great for its purposes, but we were honestly in like a really dark time, like together as a family. Um, we were in just, we had so much confusion, I think about our future and what God was doing and what just happened and how is that going to um, impact us in the future? So, um, Can I? <laughs> yes. just no, really quick, even in that, like we were in such confusion and like angst and turmoil that like I was looking for jobs like everywhere, like Las Vegas, which is where I'm from, up in Washington, up in Ventura. Like, we were just kind of like, but it was this exhausting, draining thing that was like, oh, my gosh, it seems like it's it's never going to end. And we're trying to do the Lord's work. Like, it was all because I was just a youth pastor for two years. And so coming out, I was like, you know, this is something that, like, I want to do. Like, God's called me to do this. And it's like, we just, I think collectively, like, even myself, like, was striving so much and I was trying to manufacture things, and it just did not come to light. It just did not present itself to be, like, really healthy. So, Yeah, and again, we can look back now and say, like, God did so much in our lives, like, in that kind of dark time. But at the same time, we can also see, like, wow, like, what a, what a gift it would have been to be with all of you and with people who were really going to speak into those places and and be able to like listen to the Holy Spirit on behalf of us when we felt like we didn't have the strength to do that. Um, and so then enter Neighbors Church Plant. So 2019, I think, is when they announced it. And we had never met Dan or Alexis. So we were just like, I don't know, like, let's go check it out. Well, let me say something. Okay. So sure, we, came, we came to Park Hill and in walks this bald, majestic man with tattoos and traps right here. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, this guy. I was like, oh, he looks different. And honestly, I'm not even kidding. It was like, I was like, oh, dude, this guy looks like, I was like, he, he, he just is a little bit different. And then I was always, I loved his teaching. Ashley and I did. And then uh, when they announced Park Hill, or excuse me, the launch of Neighbors, then we were like, Oh, like didn't know him at all. And we're like, let's go check it out. 
Yeah, so we did, or actually I did, which is really not my character. I actually chose to go, you were out of town, and I went all by myself to their house over in college area. Um, I think Tegan was like five months, or maybe no, five weeks old. She was literally just brand new. So I decided to go, and there, <laughs> there she is now. Um, I decided to go by myself, and I just remember walking in, and I know some of you guys were actually there, and I honestly just felt so overwhelmed by like the Holy Spirit that I actually just opened up to everyone, like all my insecurities, like all at one time. It was like during a moment of prayer, I didn't just like start saying everything. But um, yeah, I remember Dan was praying and we were talking about hurts and pain. And I just remember feeling like I need to share this. Like I'm just gonna open up and I did. And I think that was like the first like beautiful exchange of like, okay, this is what God's community can be. Like I'm coming with like, raw, like completely open. I'm bawling my eyes out. I've never met a single person in here. And then I remember like Dan had like a a vision or a word for me and like said it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. I just, I just felt like that this is it, right? Like this is the whole idea. Like we're coming with our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, and like we're being met with, with Jesus, like not with some version of him or like some, you know, like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, it was like someone had laid down their life to hear, okay, what is God saying? And now I'm going to share that. And we've just continued to have those experiences, like, over the last couple years, which is why we wanted to share our story, because, you know, we've been talking about it. Like, what does it say in scripture? But, like, we really feel like we have a transformation or, like, a conversion story, really. Like, you get converted to to Jesus, but, like, we've been, like, converted to community, and that's kind of what it's been for us, so. Yeah, I think a big big portion of that, speaking specifically about the group, is, like, there is this aspect of confession that I feel like I have, I think collectively we could probably say like we've never experienced that in community where you can actually sit in your confessions and walk through that with people. Like I'm really, I'm actually truly struggling with this. I'm insecure here. I'm actually right now physically feeling anxiety in my chest. Like let's walk through that together. Not just like I'm putting on this act and I'm just like, I'm sitting here sweating like on the verge of tears and going around in a community group and they're like, hey, how's everything going? You're like, oh my God, so good. Uh, you know, when, when in reality you're on the verge, like I've never experienced that type of vulnerability in community. And it's been truly um, shaping and forming for us uh, individually, as a couple, as a family. And um, yeah. yeah. And I think one thing to note too, like we, like I said, we had come to a place of like bottom of the bottom, like super broken. And sometimes like that is what it takes to, have you kind of come to the place where you're like, I really need this in my life. Like I refer to neighbors all the time as like this answer to prayer that I've never been able to articulate, but it's like, once I found it, I'm like, okay, my heart feels at home. Like I feel settled in this, in this family. So, um, yeah, there's the personally in our family and in our communities, how it's impacted us. So do you want to share personally? Yeah, personally. So going back with like the whole vulnerability thing, which I think is a hot topic just in our culture in general, but I do think it's a a strong biblical like principle that goes into like true communion with Christ and one another. But I remember um, specifically at Park Hill, there was one Sunday, this is pre-COVID, I don't know if we can imagine it now, but where they would invite, you know, they'd have Park Hill would have their leaders up front and then they would call you up and say, if anyone needs prayer, come up and, and receive prayer. And this was, again, Ashley kind of painted the picture about where we were at, where our state was at. And I remember walking up to the front, which now, granted, this is like, 
I, I was a, like, in my mind, this is not like the truth by any means, but in my mind, I was like, I was a youth pastor at a mega church with like big numbers of people. And like, so I have to present myself in this very specific way. Like I have to be like, oh, I am knowledgeable of scripture and I am like, I know how to carry myself as a leader and blah, blah, blah. And so this was in my mind. Again, this is like the depths of Matt's like soul and what I was thinking. So in that particular, on that Sunday though, I had this like, just this aching in my heart to go up and get prayer. And again, you've been, if you've been to Park Hill, there is at this point, there was probably like, I don't know, a thousand people there or something. And so you're walking up and I just felt like, just kind of like this release, but I walked up and I had, uh, I asked Dan to pray for me. That was the first time I met him. Very first time I met him, I didn't say a word to him and I just started bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, I'm like reliving it right now, but, and I just said, I'm, I'm just, I feel broken. Like, I feel like I can't even, I can't do anything. Like, I can't lead spiritually. I can't, like, be in ministry. I can't do these things. And like, I just need prayer. And for me, it was this moment of vulnerability. And also in that time, he spoke a word over me as well. And it was in that moment that like, I realized that like, oh, okay, this is kind of the, this is the introduction to like true community into true like fellowship with Christ. And it was, it was really life transforming, just breaking down in front of someone and confessing what I was going through. Yeah. Um, when I think of it personally, I come to Psalm uh, 68, five, and it says a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoner with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. So when I was kind of reading this, um, the word lonely can also be the word solitary. So it's not necessarily that that verse is only referring to people who feel alone a lot of times, but also those of us who have chosen kind of a solitary life. Like I'm going to go it my own way. I'm going to carve my own path and, um, and just kind of, it's more comfortable, right? Like I have more control in that space. I don't need people to see me. I can handle my own business. Um, but it's, God's heart for us is that, no, we're going to, he's going to place you in a family and in that family, you're going to get support and you're going to get acceptance. Um, and, that was definitely the case for me. I felt like when I came here, like on day one, I was like, here's Ashley, like all of my brokenness. And I have only, you know, received acceptance and God's love. Um, and two phrases come to mind that were spoken to me over the last couple of years. And it was, you are loved and your heavenly father knows. And I tell you any other time in my life, I would have been like cliche, like uh, whatever. But for some reason, like, in the context of people that I knew were like following God and like hearing his voice, I was just like, oh my gosh, like he does love me. Like you are right. That's crazy. Like I know that in my head, but like when you say it, friend or whoever you are, like it's just, it sinks right in, you know? And, and that's the transforming piece. It's like you hear that, you receive it, and then you still come to God with your anxieties, your fears, your insecurities, and all those things. And that's kind of been my personal experience. Um, I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I could talk forever, but I, I think know. This, I'm is, like, uh... this is good. Yeah. So, and then in, in our family, it's obviously made a huge impact. Um, we have three little kids, obviously. I think you've probably all met them at some point. Um, 
And just knowing, I think as a parent, you do carry a lot of burden for your kids. Um, some of you might not have kids yet or like far from that, but there's just like a, a weightiness to parenthood, obviously. And I think we were not meant to do it by ourselves. And so just knowing like coming to community group or coming to church, like knowing that, you know, all of you are kind of like looking at them and observing their life as they grow up and their development. And like, you're going to be able to speak into that and form them. It just you know, it's like a shared burden. It's like, you know, what you were talking about in Acts, like a, we have these things in common. Like, so you can watch our kids when we call you, right? Like yeah, anybody exactly. in here can Amen. babysit. Amen. It's a shared burden, guys, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, I think um, with that, one example I have is that, um, like, as we were getting into the fold of this community, one of the biggest things, and maybe this might be for, um, I don't want to speak for everyone, but for guys or specifically fathers, like, there is like a financial burden that you bear. And I remember um, a couple years ago, um, in complete vulnerability, talking to um, you know, some people in our community about our finances and laying it out and just being like, hey, we have X, Y, and Z that we're trying to achieve. Here's our patterns. Here's like our financial patterns that we have developed over the last seven years. We just need some prayer and we need some guidance in this specific area. And I know it seems funny because it's just, I mean, it's not just finances, but it was really this moment of vulnerability because I feel like I was always conditioned to just be like, oh, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. That's what I actually, I would always say that like, oh, I'll figure it out. We'll do it, you know, but it really was, that was like a monumental move, not only uh, again, not just the financial side of it, but I think it was even for us as a couple for Ashley to be like, okay, like I can see that my husband is like seeking the guidance of people who are more knowledgeable than we, than we are and who are going to pray with us through this, um, through this like crisis essentially. And that for me was like a really, really transforming part of like, you know, the, the family aspect of things. Yeah, definitely. And not that like, you know, we went to people for all the answers, but it was just again, like, okay, there's like a support element where they're going to pray with us. I don't even know that they gave us specific advice necessarily. I think it was just like, okay, you want to be a good steward. You want to, um, you know, honor God with your finances. So we're going to pray with you in that. Um, so again, it's just like that same theme of like, you don't have to carry these things by yourself. Like you should not be carrying them by yourself. And, um, and I think like all of this kind of culminates in how this has impacted people around us, which is really the whole point, I think, in, in what we're learning. Like, because we've talked a lot about how it's benefited us personally, but that's only so that we can go out and like, and it can trickle over into like our family and friends who aren't here. You know, that there's, there's some empty chairs that we could fill and there's some homes that we could have people into. So um, I just remember kind of feeling silly the first few months or year that I was here because I literally felt like I was talking to my family or a friend all the time and being like, oh my gosh, like God did this and this is so great. And like, it almost sounded like I was saying like, neighbor's church is solving my problems. But like, the, you know, it, it wasn't that. It was just, I was so overjoyed with like, wow, like I found a place where A, I can just like be myself. Um, people are, are accepting and we are like, have this common like goal and this common, you know, love for Jesus. And so I just kept sharing it. Like I shared it with everyone. I even still share it with our neighbors. Like actually one, well, Dwayne, Dwayne is actually, or was our actual neighbor. So I remember we shared it with him and then he came to SDSU and, um, him and Brenda. And so it was just this overflow. And like, that's kind of the point in everything that we're talking about is like, I know Dan, um, 
talked a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, about, um, I think he said this, a provoking community learns to see themselves as the gifts given to others, and others given as gifts to themselves for the sake of spurring support and growth. And that that's really like what we've found is like, okay, now we've received this, we feel like so blessed by these people and, and our community, and like we're just gonna go out and share it with everyone that we can. Um, so yeah, I think that that's our experience of the kind of the three ways that it's impacted us. Yeah. Um, and kind of in closing, we're gonna kind of we're gonna wrap this up uh, soon. I wanna I wanna go back real quick to that text in in Acts uh, chapter two, um, specifically verse forty two and forty four. Um, the Greek word for fellowship in verse forty two is koinonia. Uh, and koinonia is actually built on the root word koina, which means common. And we find that word two verses later in, in verse 44. So it's as though Luke, uh, it's as though he's, he's painting this vivid picture, uh, this radical understanding of Christian community um, that, that believers are to have that are forming these groups. Uh, all believers had everything in common, so much so that they sold goods so that others would not be in need. And I, the verse, verse 41, right before that, um, Luke states that there was 3,000 people who were added to the group that day. And I don't think that it's, uh, I don't think that it's, um, I, I do think it's very intentional, like that's, that he added that um, in there because there were people in need. Like if you bring people into your community, one or two people, 3,000 people, um, there is need. It's not always finances. It could be emotional support. It could be spiritual guidance. It could literally be a workout partner. Uh, it could be watching babies, like Ashley noted, yard work. I think that there's so many needs in our community that go unmet. And we were talking about this in, in pre-service prayer this morning. And I think that is the purpose of our community, to meet each other's needs so that we can, so that we can achieve this mission of, of witnessing to, to the nations, to the entire world. And I think that I would, I, would, um, I would charge us to reframe the way that we think about witnessing. Because witnessing is not merely standing up and proclaiming the name of, of Jesus. Although that is, like, we definitely believe that the Spirit will work and bring people into the fold. But when you think about witnessing, it's actually inviting people into your community. That's how they did it in the first church. They invited people into the fold of what they were doing, how they were living life, in complete vulnerability, selling all their goods for the benefit of one another. And so neighbors, like we have the opportunity to join in this fellowship with one another. And so I say, you have my act. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 I'm just playing. But in a sense, I really, I, I, I want us to start reframing our minds because I think that when we start building these communities around San Diego, it's not for us solely. If in a year from now, it's just the same people sitting here or the same people that are in our groups, I think that we've, I don't want to say we've failed, but we're missing out on an opportunity to bring others into that community. And that's where people are gonna experience Jesus. That's where people are gonna experience healing. That's where people are gonna be able to experience this true fellowship where we are dependent on one another, fully dependent. And so. Yeah, I think um, I just wanted to add a little bit to that. Um, go ahead. 
So I think Dan uh, taught out of Hebrews a couple weeks ago, and um, I think he started at verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 24, but um, the verse right before that is verse 23, and it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and then it continues on, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, and I thought that was really cool that right before he goes on to say we need to be provoking each other to love and good works and meeting, there's a reminder for us to hold fast to the hope that we have. Um, and I don't know a time where it's been more important. Like it's so turbulent, it's so crazy, it's so uncertain, but we can only do this together if we're holding fast to the hope the confession of hope that we've made, which is Jesus, like that is our hope. And so we do that in understanding that then we're collectively going to be doing that together to provoke one another. And so you kind of can't have one without the other. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what was on my heart. And that, yeah. So as we come to communion, I'm going to invite um, Joshua up. Um, Let's just have that in our minds. And again, I want to reiterate as well, the purpose of today um, is we want everyone in here um, in community. Um, you know, if you are a college student or if you have been married for 30 years, like we all need community. Um, and so that's our prayer. Uh, and again, we're going to, the community lead, leaders are going to be over at that um, table uh, after service. And so let's pray. Um, let's all just... Um